Hey there, welcome to How I Got Hired. This is a show about ordinary people like you and me and how they created extraordinary success in their career. My name is Sonal Behel, an international career strategist and founder of Supercharge. I strongly believe that a fulfilling career is a birthright and not a privilege for the lucky few who have access to expensive education, capital and networks. I am now on a mission to democratize access to high value career advice with my digital courses, with some coaching and content with my YouTube channel and this podcast right here. So listen, you deserve to have a career you actually love even if you just got laid off, even if you took years off work to take care of a family member, even if you are underpaid and overworked. If you're looking for practical strategies and tactics to build a career and life that you're proud of, you are in the right place. Listen, once you're done listening, I want you to promise me something. I want you to walk away with the singular thought. If they could do it, I can do it too. Now grab your favorite warm beverage and let's get started. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. My guest today, guests, yes, I said plural, two people, two very talented women who started a video production company, which is not how they started their careers. Gosh, that is the truth. Namrata Sirur, aka Nami, has an MBA and worked in very serious sounding corporate roles with Schlumberger and Cisco Food and Beverage Services. My other guest, Pavi Dinamani. I'm pretty sure I butchered her last name. Dinamani is a trained chemical engineer and has worked at companies like Amic Foster Wheeler, etc. So, about six years ago, in 2016, both Nami and Pavi left the corporate world behind and started this new adventure, which is this highly successful video production company called Misfit Communications. By the way, love that name, where in this, you know, they show up exactly how they are. Exactly. How did they get started? How is it going? Let's learn more about the OG Misfits. Welcome, Nami and Pavi, to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Sona. Yeah. Thank you for having us. This is super My exciting. pleasure. So welcome. So welcome. So one is an MBA. The other one is an engineer, right? So this is the love language of Indian parents worldwide. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the early days. Was that like the natural route you wanted? Was that something you did because the parents wanted it and you wanted to please the parents? Um, or, you know, how did that turn out? Nami, let's start with you. Sure. I was, I had a bit of an unconventional upbringing, but I was always a misfit within my Desi community. And um, I always knew I wasn't a STEM person. Um, mm-hmm. And I was more of a creative, more of a people person, but I was never taught to think of those as marketable skills. So I didn't think I had any. <laughs> and so Even though my parents never put that pressure on me, they never said you have to become a doctor, lawyer, engineer, which is very different from a lot of my Indian peers, including Pavi. Um, I sort of put that pressure on myself only because I looked around and everyone I knew was an engineer and making a lot more money than I was. And so I did my undergrad in hotel management, which was, again, not the, the usual route. But the only way I made that decision was 
I thought, hey, I like food. <laughs> Why not? That was about the the beginning and end of the research that I'd done into hospitality. And so I just went into it, realized it wasn't for me. So then I forced myself to get an MBA and do the closest thing I could imagine to engineering, which was supply chain. And so once I graduated from my MBA, that's really when my corporate career began. Mm-hmm. I like food. <laughs> yeah. Let's see where it's all. See that's where all I got from that conversation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too, Pavi. Um, I love what you talked about. Like, I didn't know they were marketable skills at the time. It's mm-hmm. super interesting because a lot of us, I think, relate with what you're saying a lot more than we realize. And and Pavi, how about yourself? Actually, mine was very, very traditional. I was that perfect child that every Indian parent wants. I did everything by the books. I was good at math. I was good at chemistry. I was good at science. I don't think I had any. I self, hated uh, you types when I was. Yeah, a kid, I, I was that person. You yeah, I, I was the person you hated and every Indian parent loved. So I did what I had to do because, again, I'm a second child. So my my sister made these mistakes and I was like, I'm not going to fuck it up. Like, I got to keep this doing the right thing. I don't want to get into any trouble. I've seen the trouble she gets into. So I did everything by the books. I was also good at what I did. So I felt like I'm doing the right thing. I had no self-awareness of what else I'm good at, what else actually fills my cup versus what I know how to do because everything was merit-based in my household. So you did something well, you got rewarded, you keep doing more of it. Do you care about it? Do you love it? Do you want to grow? Do you want to learn? None of that. None of that was part of the equation. So um, mine was very traditional. So I didn't, I didn't experiment at all. And did you enjoy it, you know, studying uh, engineering and all of that stuff? I definitely enjoyed learning. I enjoyed being in school and I just realized the same thing. Like I like humans. I'm an extrovert that fills my cup. I just didn't pay attention to any of the other things that I was good at which is having conversations and being a person that listens to stories and puts out like good stories out there finds what's finds people like finds people that are different and unique and builds relationships with them and using that as their superpower I didn't think of all those things but I did enjoy what I was doing until I didn't you know what I mean until you did did it until I didn't yeah yeah, no, exactly. Um, that's different. There is, it's, it's. You knew you, you enjoyed it. You were the perfect child. You were the second one. Let the parents screw up with the first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heard this before. I, I yeah. totally get that. Um, no offense to my brothers and sisters. Um, one brother and one sister. So let's talk about uh, one thing that's different about you guys, and I, I find very interesting is you live in the United States. You work in the United States. However, you are not from there. So let's talk about this love affair. Uh, this journey, um, because you moved in your teens, uh, uh, Nami and Anpavi, you moved as an adult. So t- let's talk about that journey to corporate America and being the misfits that you were without maybe doing, or maybe you know, Nami, uh, Nami in your case was, you felt like uh, a misfit. Maybe Pavi, you thought this was the only way uh, of doing things. Sounds like the Mandalorian. This is the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nami, like you were 14, I think we've chatted before. Talk to us about right. how that happened and how it did not corrupt your accent. I want to get to that as well. Yeah, that is a whole story in itself. But yeah, I moved when I was 12. I moved to 12. Cleveland, Ohio, which uh, 
not the friendliest for immigrants in their in the 90s especially not the most colorful yeah at all so i always joked that there were three indian kids in my school and two of them were me and my sister so and the third oh, one didn't want to be indian so he pretended he wasn't and so um, you mean the it, kapoor kid who pretends to be cooper uh, yes <laughs> Oh, I haven't heard that before. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like for the it's to be a show for the Indian accent. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah. So it was definitely. I think I was. Yeah, I just I was very confused from the start because I at the beginning didn't understand why I was such an outcast because I was like you know in India I was used to being this popular kid. I was good at studies, good at sports. I was sort of an all rounder, and I was like. class prefect and all of this stuff so i came from being really really popular to then going to the us and completely losing all of my social standing and as a result all of my confidence and as a result i think i just focused on all the wrong things in school because when you move as a teenager i think and your confidence takes such a hit and you completely it's very destabilizing right you completely mm-hmm. lose your identity um i still have my accent weirdly enough because I think I because I never felt accepted I didn't integrate into society as well as a lot of kids do and because I had my family here and my sister we would sort of cling to each other for comfort and we clung to our indianness for comfort and we kind of went the opposite way where we became uber indian almost out of protest uh-huh. because we uh-huh. accepted okay. and then after a while once I started to assimilate it was too late to change my accent and i just didn't have a desire to at that point so i just felt like you know what now i've learned how to modulate and how to yeah. sort of um yeah use the right words or use the right intonation all right. of that so then i just kept it <laughs> right But, and and the most important thing is being understood which yeah, you yeah. have been which you have been yeah. from day one yeah. without twirling the r's and the yankee and and all of that yeah. Um, yeah thank you no thank you so much for sharing i clung we clung to our indianness it was almost like a defense mechanism right yeah, um absolutely. and and it doesn't have to be a huge intercontinental migration when we are in a new environment there's something we want to cling on to which is familiar it's comfortable yeah. it's like that security right. blanket what is that like it's so reflective that you're sharing this and you're not even a teenager you're 12 so i'm just picturing the 12 year old nami who's like maybe a number that at the time before yeah. you know, that change and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and kudos to you right kudos to you for sticking your guns and not you know because there is pressure to sound mm. like them so it's not milton it's milton you were you were like oh, i'm just going to say milton like like the misfit yeah. that you are good for you and 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 pavi how about yourself for me i again i moved at 17 so still not mm. um mm. an adult mm. i moved because um for college just as most kids do to go to school um but interestingly i i feel like i always tell people this that i'm a double double immigrant because i i was raised in the middle east so i wasn't actually raised in india to begin with mm-hmm. so my connections with india is super strong at the same time when we you know moved to the middle east i i mean all i know from my childhood has been that and then we moved here where i moved here the one thing that it did to me was sort of what nami was talking about you feel nervous you feel like you're new but you're also extremely alone when you come in as a 17 year old by yourself no parents no family nobody lives here um 
it puts you in a state of you're in a state of like high vigilance like for everything so I again like I said I used to be this like perfect kid that I I I had to do everything I could be to follow that streak like I had to do the same thing where I become one with everybody else and excel at what I was doing. I do well in school. I do well with all these, the the new terms and the slang and the pop culture and everything. So we, I feel like I, I went through that journey and I had to grow up so fast to be mm-hmm. part of the, the culture. And again, I also moved to like the smallest town ever imaginable called College Station. It literally is a station. What, with what's, a it, what's it like called? It's nothing called college station in it's a what tiny, state? tiny it's in texas okay so yeah it's a super tiny super tiny um city um and i'm calling it city it's a station town. it's a, it's a yeah. super small yeah it's a small yeah. town and it also is in texas so it, it had you know the things that most of us deal with when we move to a country where people don't know who you are they didn't understand not only my accent the way i looked where i was from they didn't understand where i was raised um, it just, it put me in a state of, okay, I need to kill all of this because these are things that are not working for me. So even though I, for a living now, I do the opposite where I'm like, whatever makes you unique is what I'm going to celebrate about you. Yes. I had to kill all those things about me at that time, yes. just to be part of the mix and, um, you know, making friends that were very, very American making, you know, eating the food that was that way, trying to speak the same way. And, um, doing, you know, study buddies and study groups. That was exactly the same. So I, I, I did struggle with that initially, but it, it was effortless in the sense, mainly because again, I grew up in a household where if you put your time and put the effort in, you'll get rewards. And it, it worked for me at the time. Yeah. yeah. But quite an interesting, like contrasting difference, right. Between you and, and what, what, what Nami went through yours was a lot more, I'll do what I can to assimilate. Um, yeah. and you know just just absolutely like belong so that's interesting yeah. and and you know talk to us about now working you know you're studying it's experimenting I like this I don't like this and by the way I want to say this to the listener as well we have so many preconceived notions when we hear about a certain country a lot of us when we think about the U.S. we think New York New York City <laughs> San Francisco Chicago Washington D.C. if we're feeling a bit more cultural the Cleveland, Ohio, and College Town, College Station. Station. College, wow, yeah. it's not in your bucket Texas. list. I am offended. <laughs> this is the reality. You were in the heartland, and mm. it is not where you know the Friends episode was shot, or you know what I mean. This is like, it's so different what we perceive in the media and what it's like to be you know in the Midwest, in the South, which the bulk of the population lives. It's not right. only in the metropolis. It's something um, that's worth remembering, uh, and every now and then to think again. Uh, like yeah. Adam Grant says. And so working life, like, you know, getting hired, getting serious, like, okay, now I need to, you know, bring in the bacon. I got to support myself, right? The two of you are there. Um, Nami, you may have had a little bit of a cushion because you had your parents in the country, but still, right? At some point, I don't know, Indian parents, do they really let us, like, do they really cut our apron strings? I don't yeah. know what happened in your case. And how did you get hired? How did you get the job? Talk to us about that. So it's interesting, even though I had Indian parents, um, all my friends know this, 
they are nothing like most Indian parents are where they never gave me I mean for better or for worse they never really gave me much direction on what to do they just kind of left me to my own devices so the way did you like that did you or did you not like at the time did you like that time no I mean I I don't know I only in hindsight my sister and I are always like don't you wish they had forced yeah. us stuff because we made very impractical decisions so my sister did political science and French in Canada which was like we moved to the states right after so she couldn't even use either of her degrees and then I did hotel management because my sister said hey you like food do it and I was like okay and so neither like none of my parents said hey this is a bad decision maybe rethink this um so that's why my sister and I both forced ourselves into getting an MBA because we realized we made terrible decisions also very bonkers that people have to choose what they're doing for the rest of their lives at 17. Yeah. 17 yeah. Yeah. We don't so, know anything at the time. We yeah. don't know anything. No and wonder so, we're like, I know everything as a teenager because you're made to make yeah. these big ass decisions. Like, decisions. But then um, I turned to my sister a lot because she made, and it's funny that Pavi says her being the younger sister, she's, um, you know, her older sister was the screw up. I think in my case, my sister, like most older kids, was the angel child. She did everything right. And I was the troublemaker and the screw up. So she kind of helped me to, I think I followed in her footsteps in a lot of ways because she would tell me, hey, I did this, you should do this. And so um, when she got her MBA and she kind of figured out how to navigate the corporate world a little bit, she would give me you know, she gave me this booklet of behavioral questions. So that's mm-hmm. how I knew, okay, this is what I need to study for all of my interviews and things like that. So I turned to her a lot, but um, neither of us really knew the concept of networking, especially I think once I did my MBA, I kind of learned it, but never in the context of once you're already at the job, it was always you network to get a job. And then once yeah. you get that job, you put your head down and you work. And yeah. so I never understood how to build relationships, make inroads once I was actually at those companies. And I also didn't know that I could flex my creative muscles or I could actually use my personality. I would think I need to completely, it was almost like I would walk through a curtain that just washed all of my personality away every day that I walked into work and I would never be myself or really use the things I was naturally good at also because I didn't value them myself so yeah it was a very strange experience overall yeah yeah and and the the when you said walking into work uh, how did you get that first like proper you know corporate business job where you actually like putting on a suit or you know something which you normally don't put on to go to work how did you get those roles that I very much credit to getting an MBA because I didn't know of this concept of networking before that. And then one of my mentors said, you need to constantly be out there talking to people. And so one of my classmates, I also just love one of my things to do, which I even do now is just recruit random people to go to a bar with me. Or if I'm at a bar, I'll talk to random people. And so um, I like mixing alcohol and people a lot. <laughs> There's a common theme, but uh, it's, a when com- I was it's a good MBA, combination. Yeah. So during my MBA, I remember one of the days I was on this team. I didn't really, our teammates didn't really gel well. And so I took it upon myself to make sure that the team dynamics were good. So I said, why don't we all just go to a bar, just have a conversation outside of work. And so we all went together at the end of the night, it was only two of us left. 
And so me and this kid were talking. He was a lot younger, but very, very intelligent kid. So he and I started chatting, had the most amazing conversation. So we built this great relationship. And then he graduated early because he was brilliant. And he got a job at Schlumberger, which was this oil and gas mm. company. Hmm. And because we had built such a good rapport by that point, um, one day my who would finally end up being my manager walked by his desk and said, hey, you just finished your MBA. Do you know any of your classmates who are doing supply chain? And I was the first person he thought of because we had built that oh. relationship. And that job wasn't even posted yet. And so he oh. said, sent it to me. He said, apply immediately because this is not being posted yet. I applied, got in, and that's how I got my first job amazing this is kismet um yeah not, not kismet, kismet. Yeah. not kismet. hindi word dude it's a hindi word okay I know. So this is this is super interesting because you know also coming from the point of view of that kid that you were talking to at the time a lot of people aren't very nice to people like that you know, yeah what a nerd i don't want to talk to him. you were just kind and he maybe he remembered that maybe he remembered kindness and you know uh, we went out for a drink there were 10 of us and then suddenly there were two of us left she didn't she didn't get creeped out like she didn't want to leave we actually had a good time we chatted uh it's amazing how many times i've had guests who talk about the unexpected rewards of kindness mm-hmm. or maybe i'm reading too much into it i don't know does that make any sense <laughs> yeah i yeah absolutely okay, and i think is- for me I I've always had a soft spot for the underdogs and the misfits. Yes. Surprise, because you surprise. relate, you relate, yeah. right? And and you you maybe attract them into your world, and and they are also sort of magnets for you. So that's um, yeah. uh, that's super interesting. And the rest is history. We'll come to the history part as well. But in the meantime, <laughs> so Pavi, like, what about you? Did it take? Uh, taking 10 people uh, to a bar and chugging them down with alcohol to get your next job. Like, how did that work? <laughs> no, like I said, I'm. I followed the path then. I didn't do any of you colored, you colored between you colored inside the lines, all inside the lines. Well, the thing for, for me, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but it's really, really hard to get a job in the States right out of school and getting us a a visa sponsored by your job without citizenship. Yes. Yes. Incredibly difficult. So as usual, because I had to be the overachiever that I had to be, I got a job nine months before I graduated. Because I was oh, like, there's no way in hell I'm so going much back. right now. <laughs> you have to do it, right? Like it's it's incredibly difficult and and stressful, every, very so stressful. stressful. The last thing I wanted was to be like, hey, I'm done with this, and I have to do more school or and you know get a loan and do the same drill yeah. and or yeah. go back domhilate way back home. I'm like, I'm not going back. Like, just like quick, uh, quick translation. I don't want to go back with my tail between my legs for the yeah, um, sorry the speakers. <laughs> no, that's good. No, that's good. Sorry. And so you were like, that's not an option, Bobby. Yeah, like you're telling true. yourself, that's not an option. So how did and, you get and a job? I, and I, I grew up in that uh, scarcity mentality, right? Like if you're going to, if you need something, there's only X amount left and you need to get what's yours. And so you work your ass off. So most of the kids that graduated with me um, that were citizens, usually because there weren't very many immigrants in the undergrad um, class, they usually they they went to Europe for a whole year after school and they did their thing. They did their the like, gap year. And they, mm. Yeah, they did their gap year so because they, they could choose to go to school after, choose to do um, work at a job that that works for them. So I didn't. I was just like, no. I'm good. That, that's this a very privileged life. Before. Let's just call it what it is. That's a privileged life, which is not reality for the majority of 
it yeah it wasn't my reality i couldn't yeah. i didn't even think that uh you know i didn't even have the depth to understand like wow gap years are awesome i was just like what is a gap year and why does one do this like why would you you want a gap in your life so i i wasn't even deep enough to understand that but i the way i got the job was just like how most people in school get their job is you go to informational sessions and you go to all these networking events and career fairs and put yourself out there and sell yourself as much as possible for the lowest freaking price ever. They will give you the salary that is the cut off for the U.S. Um, visa requirement. So you don't get one dollar more and you go mm. in there and you're like, I won this. This what is some cheap I mindset, right? By the way, such a cheap ass mindset. You're getting the talent, but I'm going to get it for whatever, 50 percent less. Because yeah, I'm going to get it for just the cutoff. And again, not some information mm. that I knew at the time. No, it's something no. that I learned much, much later. And I was like, holy crap, I didn't negotiate. I didn't ask for anything else. I was stopping my class, but I still didn't care. I just was like, you're going to give me a visa. I will marry you. Like, this is amazing. So it was just a very unhealthy relationship. But I, I did what I had to do. And um, I, I got the job that Yeah, day. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, no, it's, it's also good to know because as an engineer, right? So they're going to they're gonna sponsor for skills that are in um, in short supply. So if yes. if they see that, it, it's particularly helpful that you, you have- Yeah, short um, supply time. and less money. So yeah. What a combination. combination. <laughs> what a combination. They 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 hit the they hit the gold mine uh, as far as you're concerned. So um okay, that that amazing. So how did like how did the two of you now let's bring up closer to like the present? So the last six years to the present. How did the two of you meet? I had just moved from Canada because I did my undergrad in Canada and then I was working in hotel management. So I had no earthly idea of how to meet people my age because they didn't exist at my workplace. And I met someone who then introduced me to basically everyone from Pavi's school, Texas A&M, would move in droves to Houston because they'd come for engineering jobs to the oil and gas industry. And there were a lot of jobs in Houston. So yeah. I met all of my friends, including Pavi, in this one cohort that all moved together. And I was like, yes, this is just like tailor-made for me. This pool of people just moved. And this is amazing because I didn't I know can, which. I can be popular again. I know. And I. it's funny because for me, coming from Canada, it was a very different... The Indian people in Canada are very different because, mm. you know, that's a whole concept of melting pot versus cultural mosaic and in Canada Indians are a lot more Indian than they are in the U.S. and that's good in certain ways and then in certain ways I related a lot more to Americans once I was Mm. properly assimilated and so Pavi when Pavi moved I was like wow this is a type of Indian person I have not had exposure to which is they've come here on their own they're left to their own devices they've navigated the world for you know by themselves for four years and now they're here to like attack adult life and so it was a really different experience and the minute I met Pavi it was like love at first sight I met her at a, at a party and at her house I think and um, she was playing Bollywood music and I was just like I love this girl and I'm gonna attach myself to her like a barnacle and the rest is history what song do you remember the song do you remember the song the music she was playing which which song I don't remember but I do know we listened to a lot of uh was it, did we do a lot of, there was that song, that Vipashavasu song that we, I remember we listened a lot to. What was it called? Bilorani? 
Pelloni. Oh yes. my and also, god. Papu Kantan Sala. Oh my gosh. And and was that like um like something started because now let's bring up now, now let's bring us closer because was I, I think if I'm not wrong, 2016 was a pretty pivotal year for mm-hmm. the both of you. So yeah. right mostly for, uh, for me, right, Nami? Yeah, I think for me, my journey began a little earlier than that. Little earlier, because uh, we're we're talking about a, a kind of a divorce going on from work, right? So, so right. Pavi, let's start with you. What what happened? So, if it's the year twenty sixteen, you're at this job, you're putting your head down, you're doing your work, you're being a good kid. What happens? Um. So I got laid off in the the downturn of twenty sixteen, and it mm. was one of those things that you know it's part of the oil and gas very mm. cyclical sort of life cycle that happens. And it was and one. Were of you those enjoying that, yourself during the time you were there? Were you enjoying yourself, or was it a job to pay the bills? So the job was a job, but the part that I loved about that job was the people. And so mm. I I had an experience that I'd never had in engineering before because sort of like how Nami was saying you expect a stereotypical type of person that works in these jobs you expect them to be like breathing and living their engineering uh, you know their job they talk about that they network a certain way the the way that I had seen it happen because I worked for companies where I was being sponsored and just for context I became a citizen two years ago after living in this country for 17 years so just to understand it takes did you say so 17 Yes, wow. 17. Wow. And then wow. you get a green card for five years. So I had yes. just gotten my green card when I got this job um, in 2014. Yeah. So I could work for anyone in engineering. Yes. I mean, I could still work for anyone, but I worked in engineering. So I had worked at a job that didn't have to do just exactly only what my um, field of study was. So I was working in engineering, but I was also doing some business related work. I was doing cost estimation and doing uh, budgeting when it comes to engineering. Mm -hmm. So I got to like expand my brain. At the same time, the people that were there at that job were a lot more open-minded. They had fun. They weren't all immigrants that are like, oh my gosh, we need to get our green card or we need to get our citizenship. They seem to want to have fun and networking was a little different. So I feel like the way that it happened for me is I enjoyed the people. I missed um, I missed the people, but I didn't miss the work because mm. the work that I was doing was not necessarily aligned with my values because I was in oil and gas and I did a lot of work that, you know, I'm not very proud of, I'm not proud mm-hmm. of the the type of things that were ethically mm-hmm. not necessarily kosher. Um, mm-hmm. And again, did not mm-hmm. think about it at the time because I, I was rising up the ranks and it was making mm-hmm. money. Like I was making six figures at 27. Like you're not mm-hmm. leaving this job. You're having a great time. You mm-hmm. feel like you're doing a, a good work. So I feel, mm-hmm. I felt at the time that I didn't, I had these ethical dilemmas in my head, but I didn't have the courage to quit. And Mm. a small part of me feels like I manifested getting laid off because there was no other way I was going to do it by myself. Um, And that was the position I was in. I, and I realized what are the things I liked about the job and what I didn't like and use that um, in the future from that point on. Okay. So getting sort of laid off was the nudge that your ethical, principles and boundaries needed just that little extra nudge to say never again right yeah this is what it was good it was good while it lasted but I can't continue anymore 
and yeah. and and nami so was that so how about you like the the love affair with with corporate life and all of that how did that come to a crashing halt <laughs> for me it was a very clear defining mm. moment uh, mm. because i think i had forced myself for so long to to conform and it never felt right i always felt like a fish out of water and once i was at schlumberger which was the most adult job you know the most big girl job i'd ever had and the thing that i'd aspired to the whole time i was miserable and i kept spending my lunch breaks after about 2 years at that job i was finding myself spending all my lunch breaks on youtube just looking for answers i didn't even know what the question was i was just looking for something and one day i came across this ted talk and it was called how to quit your life and reboot and it started with the words most of us are doing our jobs out of fear and um it was by it's by this woman named priya parker and it was that right. was a thing the art of I gathering watched. yes yeah yes and i watched that and immediately after basically those 17 minutes changed my entire life and so Ooh. i watched that and i said i'm going to quit my job and i'm going to quit my life and i'm going to reboot and you quit I, you weren't laid off or fired you no, made I that quit. big ass big yep. girl pants decision a ted talk changed your life it sounds very clickbaity <laughs> but but it's true it yeah and i had no plan i had no um i had only at that point i mean i'd sunk most of my savings into my mba so i was just rebuilding my savings account at that point so i didn't have the financial stability that i should have had at that point um i was thankfully married at the, at the time so um you know at least i had a safety Some net cushion mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and then i mean i knew that this is america this is the 2000s there's no way i would be desolate my parents are here i i will find a way and even if i have to struggle for a little bit i know i believe in myself enough to know that i will make the money eventually but it is not being here at this place where i'm miserable and just letting my you know like my soul is being sucked dry dying inside so, every day mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and so and i knew i was destined for bigger things i've always known that and so i just with that purely just with that belief i was like i'm going to quit and so i quit with absolutely no plan and i said i'm going to figure it out and um so that sort of put me on the path of initially just taking on very very low paying gigs with i was at a dance company at that point um because i used to be a professional bollywood dancer so i talked to the art director of that and i said hey let me set up all your social media because i know i want to go into social media so she had no social media presence and i said let me do all of her social media i set up all of their social media accounts for free husband, or or did she pay you um she did pay me so initially i worked for her husband for free and i told him hey i just want to use you as a guinea pig so i set up some of his stuff and then i did her stuff um for like a small fee mm-hmm. and then um i ended up working at a social media startup which is really where i sort of got my it was essentially like boot camp mm-hmm. so that's where i really learned all mm-hmm. my social media knowledge mm-hmm. and then um after that yeah um then sort of oh are we moving on to now 2016 yeah yeah because because we're now like 2015 you're you've you know you've said bye to the man so you yeah. stop that you you're doing all other interesting gigs in the meantime pavi's working not knowing what's going to happen but she gets laid off right pavi i'm guessing this was a total shocker you weren't expecting this um sort of wasn't mainly because i 
also again being Indian I was like I don't fail like that's not a thing mm, that that's not I a do. thing we do <laughs> so I'm just like I don't fail like this won't happen to me kind of thing so I knew it was coming but I just didn't think it would happen um and that's that's the that's always like a shocker because you're not right. expecting it so right. I um yeah I, I was in that phase where it's like they're not going to give up a, like an engineer a female engineer but they yeah female brown engineer you guys hit the jackpot so what what so before we get into misfit communications you guys did something else you did like nine to five misfits some stuff on youtube you were very inspired by youtube nami and you had all these amazing so why youtube what happened what were you both thinking because you were like okay we need to make some money we both want to do what we're good at how do we get there? Talk about the strategizing and the plotting that was going on between the two of you. So preface to the story, um, mm. I was doing this social media job, right, in Austin and was a, at a startup. It was very, very sort of crazy and hectic. And then Pavi, in the meantime, got laid off. And at that point, we'd been best friends for a long time. And she mm. was still in Houston. I was in Austin. She called me up and said, hey, I got laid off. I've decided not to go back to corporate. Do you want to start something together? And it was Bobby a no said that. Yeah. Ah. And so it was absolutely a no brainer for me. So I said, yes, absolutely. So I quit my social media job, moved back to Austin and we were actually doing something else at the time. Um, it was a dance party company, um, which actually she had started with someone else. And I joined because I'm Bobby, a you dance, you dance as well. Because she said uh, she's a professional. professional. She's professional. <laughs> I'm the person that will be, uh, you put me as a plant in a party to make it look like it's a really fun party. Because <laughs> no, there's like the professional dancing and then there's the party dancing, right? Give me a drink yeah. in my hand and I'll move my hips. Right. I got it. I got it. <laughs> and Pavi is brilliant at, at just events in general, whether it's like at home or wherever. So that was her skill set. The third person we were with was a DJ and then I'm a dancer. So we all had our own skills to bring. And then in the meantime, so Pavi and I were doing that. And um, in the meantime, we were sort of sitting around her dinner table one day talking about us being unemployed. And at the same time, there were so many other people we knew that were in the same boat, but nobody was coming out and actually telling their stories. And we thought, huh, isn't that interesting that everyone who gets laid off goes underground and hides it as a shameful secret? Why yes. is that? Isn't yes. this the time that they should be harnessing the power of community and so we thought, why not create that community? Because clearly it doesn't exist right now. And we thought, let's just tell our stories through through YouTube. We have no idea what this is going to turn into, but it'll at least, because we had the comfort of having an unemployment buddy in each other, we thought, let's give that to other people. And even if we can impact one person, that's enough. Okay, that's amazing. And you also, I was looking at the map while you're talking, right? So Houston and Austin are not like next door, right? So it's like 262 kilometers. I don't know what it is in miles, which isn't nothing, right? It needs a little bit of planning. And so YouTube, like, had you made videos before? Had you edited? Had you ever produced? Had you ever starred in a video in front of the camera? No, no, no. Nope, we just figured it all out. You figured it all out. No, I think this is one of the reasons I reached out to you guys because um, I really appreciated the honesty in the videos. And there was a, 
it wasn't like who is me this is hard it was funny like the videos were funny there there was there was you know some of the best uh, truths have humor sprinkled in them right so um i've been laid off three times and i talk about it very openly on social media um to try and remove the the taboo you know and and the mm-hmm. stigma associated with it but i'm the exception people reach out saying yeah. that was so brave of you thank you i'm like why don't you comment on my video man <laughs> like, yeah. my indian accent comes out with frustration yeah. why don't you comment on my video why are you telling me like hiding you know so there is yeah. there is shame right in in almost yeah. like every single yeah. every single culture um like something is wrong with me um you know i've been laid off um so i'm i'm damaged goods um and so what was the like did you start no did you start getting traction like was the first subscriber your mom like it is with a lot of us with youtube channels and and how did it like how did the ripples uh, go because who was looking at that more nami was it you or or pavi was it you on the you mean the side? metrics metrics and and you know let's get this going like who was doing what how did you divide and conquer because you're also friends right and sometimes friendships can get a little bit ruined when it comes it, like let's yeah. do stuff together and suddenly it's very serious well that's the thing we were talking about right we did have the dance party company business so we that was more what we were doing for money even though we bread and butter fixed, okay. yeah we weren't extremely profitable but we were yeah. still making something versus yeah. you two we went in with all heart we didn't necessarily and that might have hurt us because we didn't do what most people do we didn't do clickbaity shit we didn't do anything yeah. to put people in a funnel we didn't do yeah. the the things that were necessarily business um savvy at the time but we went in with all of our like we poured our heart in so think of this as we weren't vlogging it was like us writing our journals and us talking every day being like okay what did you do today did you wake up today that's awesome you woke up this is amazing like that's how we we were pulling ourselves together and that's when we were realizing pulling stuff from our real life to talk about all the stuff that's not online that's not in any book that's not it doesn't cover 30 year olds that are brown it doesn't cover uh, like a nami situation where you know your career has been has moved around a lot it doesn't cover that it doesn't cover people like me whose my whole identity was just being an engineer it doesn't cover a lot of stuff it doesn't cover being no. married it doesn't cover um like even the depths of the depression and the kind of depression you have it doesn't cover conversations with your family friends so we went in all in just as if we were blogging and writing a journal and pouring our hearts out to a therapist we couldn't afford so yeah and our whole thing was because of just how we are as people and how we are as each you know with each other anytime we'd be in a room together a lot of people would be like you guys should have a show together you should have a tv show and so we thought let's just bring that out you know yeah. let's be more of that and so often we'd get these comments when we started doing the youtube uh when we started doing 9 to 5 misfits people would say it feels like your best friend is talking to you about yeah i i said that to you before we started recording yeah. i feel like i know you guys it's it's because yeah. of that that the way you come across yeah. and that's and so what you wanted right that was the mission exactly. yeah we just wanted it to be lighthearted irreverent um vulnerable honest exactly what we are in person we wanted to put that yeah. out on as as lighthearted as you can be about yeah. about uh, getting laid off which is such yeah. a serious topic for our parents right mm-hmm. um, worked so hard you know did all this and then there's ageism in the workplace there's racism you guys were like we'll talk about it openly what 
Yeah. Yes, I, I'm remembering this quote because you know Tori Morrison, right? And, she, and I love this quote. If you find a book you really want to read, but it hasn't been written re- yet, you have to write it. So you were like, you were whether it's a book or whether it's any form of content, you weren't seeing something. And Pavi, you were saying that you weren't seeing that stuff that relates to you and your demographic and psychographic. It's not just demo, right? You were like, yeah. okay, we're going to create it. So that's absolutely amazing. And did I read somewhere that um, you did like 365 videos or or am I oh, wrong? Or 365 days or like days, yeah. We did consistency. Yeah, we did a hundred videos in a year and a half, and uh, which is yeah, a lot. Which is a lot. It's not mm-hmm. live streaming. Hey guys, how's it going? It was like <laughs> shooting, editing, intro, yep. all of that. Hundred over hundred and yeah. one and a half years. Yeah. What was the response overall? We had a lot of people reach out to us, just sort of how you were saying on the side, because it's still stigma. And uh, they would tell us how much it, it helped them and how they feel. Mm. Um, Stra- these are strangers, the right? Thing. These are not friends strangers. who were like heard about. No. Yeah. yeah. Friends were friends definitely were, were great, but um, I don't even think we turned on the first few videos. I feel like we've already hidden those. That's when we didn't even have a camera. We were just using like a ridiculous GoPro because that's all we had. Um, but don't but hide them, quality, please, please. Yeah, we want to see them because back. it shows the journey. Them, yeah. I should put them back on. It was like maybe five videos where I was like, wait, I'm an engineer. This is not shit I want to put out. Like I need to clean this act up. And so we we kind of cleaned it up but um yeah we had a lot of people reaching out to us saying that they had they felt the same way and and that they felt less alone which was really great Mm. I think that was the thing Mm. and the the thing the same thing that you said it was the humor it really it it gets you because that's sometimes that's how you can talk about vulnerable stuff there's no other way to get the message across and there's no other way for other people to know how difficult the situation is without talking about it in a funny way so that's that's where we that's where we went so yeah no it's very true and I also read somewhere humor is nothing but exaggerated truth yeah it is you you were sharing your truth right so how do you go from that to starting a video production company that's something that you've I can safely say you've never done before barring shooting YouTube videos. Yes, 100. Yes, 100 videos, but they were for yourselves, right? right? And you were earning some ad revenue from that. But from that to saying, we're going to start a video production. How did you go from that A to B? Please walk us through it. And how did you get hired for the very first time, you know, where someone actually gave you their credit card and said, you're going to work for us? Like, I don't know, please. I'm so excited to hear about this part as well. Yeah. For us, it was very much about, so like, like we said, we didn't actually plan initially on videos being our you know main source of revenue. And then just, it just so happened that the other things that we had planned on being our main source of revenue ended up not being as, you know, the lucrative, you mean the dance you mean? Yeah. And then there were some other things that just didn't pan out the way that we thought they would. And this was the one thing that kept coming back and that actually stuck where we didn't have to take a build it and they shall come approach. It was people organically started coming to us and saying, hey, I've seen your videos. And also because when you make 100 videos in a year and a half, you are going to be in people's faces and you're going to be noticed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And for a lot of people, even especially within our community and stuff, they didn't have exposure to a lot of 
other people who were video marketers or video in video production. And we were the first people that they thought of. So then I remember somebody came up to us, I think very early on, right? As we were making these videos and said, hey, are you guys up for hire? And Pavi and I would just sort of looked at each other. We're like, are we up for hire? Yes, we are. And we literally went and just bought more professional equipment. The gear. Mm-hmm. We signed the contract mm-hmm. because we at that point thought, okay, this is it. This is how we're going to make our living. And from there, it was just, that's how we learned just on the fly. Learned Amazing. how to contract, set up an LLC, yeah. all of that. Amazing. And then, you know, video production for dummies. Did you go and, you know, get that from the library? I'm not saying you're dummies, but (laughs) you started with no background, right? So that is amazing. That takes great jobs to do. Yeah, Yeah. we we kind of went down the learn on YouTube, how to YouTube and learn on YouTube, how to do everything. So we went to YouTube University for sure. Yeah. But yeah, but it also started, it, it also started becoming a lot less alien because of the fact that the biggest thing that people started hiring us for was not because we could do video. Everyone can do video. You can pick up a camera. They started hiring us because we were telling stories that were vulnerable and stories are basically data about you. So that's what businesses needed at the time, right? You want to talk about um, the moments that were difficult. You want to talk about the why, why did you start this business or how are you helping your clients? How are you solving an issue? And that aspect was what gave us so much fire and energy because we wanted to take that same energy and that same sort of inspiration for their companies and their services. And that yeah. kind of yeah. got us going because learning about video, honestly, it, it's 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 hard work, but it's one of those things you put in the time and it'll happen. But this, yes. the, the, this side of it, the soft skill side of it, it's not easily learned. That's something you have to feel. And like Nami and I said, we have a soft corner for misfits. We have a soft corner for people who are um, not necessarily what people think are not quote unquote normal. We have uh, a, a soft corner for those people because that is your superpower. And that's what we want the world to see, whether it is your service-based industry or you as an your identity makes you unique we want to talk about that that's what we wanted to put out there yeah no I, I love and that and it's also two girls it. right misfit and it's, it's just it's so perfect and and do you remember um Nami uh, I don't know whichever one of you was looking at the accounting and do you remember the first check with like a real contractor like you're going to deliver this for us and you're going to do it in this number of weeks do you remember that have you framed it somewhere? <laughs> Sadly, we haven't because it's, it wasn't a physical check, but we yeah. should have. Right, should, you know yeah. what I mean. Like the, yeah. even if it's a Stripe transfer or yeah. or yeah, yeah. I think yeah, we really should have. And one thing that so commonly happens, which I'm sure even you may have experienced, Sonal, is you know when you become an entrepreneur, when you become someone who starts thinking about these big goals, right? it's so often that you don't celebrate those milestones because then the minute you hit that first milestone, you're like, okay, on to the next. And so the goalpost keeps moving and you forget actually take stock and say, holy crap, this was a big moment, right? And so we have to remind ourselves to do that now, but we didn't do that enough early on. We do have some pieces of paper that we saved from like when we jotted it down at a bar, like some tiny ass ideas that we wrote. We saved that. (laughs) And do you remember, uh, how did they find you? Was it through YouTube or, you know, like, 
how did you get hired for that do you remember through facebook. most of it was yeah most facebook? of it was at mm-hmm. the time facebook yeah and but we were on youtube uh, obviously that was our biggest platform but yeah where we did most of our uh um, I want to say interactions, but we, yeah, it was Facebook and eventually LinkedIn is what yeah. we yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I totally hear start, you. Yeah. Yeah. At the start, we were very B2C. And so mm-hmm. a lot of our mm-hmm. clients were organically on Facebook. Then we switched to B2B and mm-hmm. that's when we started really, really focusing on LinkedIn big time. Focusing on LinkedIn big time and, B, and B2B, right? I mean, that's where they don't, you know, bargain and, and negotiate over budget. It's all right. You know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's it's totally different. And I completely hear you, Nami, and what you said earlier as well. Because when I hit um, 100,000 subscribers on, on YouTube, it took such a long time. I hadn't put in the work. I had given up in the beginning as well because I was like, this isn't going anywhere. What's the point? Uh, YouTube is a waste of time. And I did a video talking about lessons learned uh, from reaching this milestone that can apply to life. And you're very right, because a part of me said, who are you to give these lessons? You should have been at least a million by now. This is nothing. And then I didn't do a lot of videos this year for whatever reasons. And I reached 125 and this voice inside, I'm like, oh, let me put it on Instagram. And then the, the other voice said, only 25,000. Look at me sounding like such a privileged brat, right? But it was always like, that's nothing you should have reached here by now. You know, that, that just that voice, that bully uh, constantly, you know, pulling us back. Um, Gosh, I'm I'm so happy for you. And then, you know, were there ever hard days? Did you ever feel like everything is exactly how it should be? Were there days that you felt like we can't do this? I can't do this. I want to stop. Maybe the other one kept you grounded. Like, did you ever have I did that last week? So it happens all the time. Yeah. It's an oh. entrepreneur's journey. It happens yeah. all the time. When you're building your company, you're scaling. There's milestones yeah. at every point. You're yeah, you um need the energy. And that's why I think, you know, she, Nami and I work well together because we are yin yang. You know, when I'm down, she pushes. Yeah. When she's down, I push. We have a we have a team that we have to work with. We have to be there for everybody and that things happen all the time that's unpredictable and even between Nami and I we have difficult days because like you said we're still best friends and best friends can have things that are mismatched with work yeah yes. and that doesn't mean it takes away from your friendship or it takes away from from your business um and I, I tell everybody this we we have a business counselor essentially like a therapist for the two of us because our relationship has changed over the years from being you know drunk women dancing at a Bollywood party to building an empire. And so it takes a lot to grow that relationship in a safe and healthy way. And we, we've had difficult days, but we have each other. We have ourselves. We both are very self-reflective. We meditate. We do, you know, yoga retreats. We are very, very, um, we go inward a lot because that's what we put out there. And we, that's the kind of company we want to build where, it is very much like you're grounded and you know that you are 100% responsible for the things that you're going yeah. to put out there for yourself and for companies. Yeah, no, 100%. Nami, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think um, for one, when and I don't know if this is everyone, but this is how I see it. When we first got started, it was very much about proving to other people, especially in our lives, our spouses, our parents, everyone, that we could actually do this. Mm. Then we hit a milestone where it finally became evident that, okay, 
this is a this is an operation that is lucrative and we so, can actually so do it. is that my, was that milestone financial was it number of years like how would you define that can you afford to do this for a living once you hit that milestone at least for us it became more about the emotional the you know the, it's all also like the maslow's hierarchy of needs yes. right once you hit the base levels then you get closer and closer to self-actualization yes. and safety and all of that so then it became very much about the two of us okay how are how is our dynamic shifting and then it's also about your own self right the the things you're navigating in your personal life and how do you not let it seep into your business so it's it's been a constant i wouldn't say struggle just there's constant challenges but there's also constant learning and evolving um and i feel we're at a good point right now because we've done so much work on ourselves and it you know it continues I was going to add to that. I mean, uh, I was going to say exactly what you said, Nami. I think you're, a lot of people don't get this. They work hard on the business side of things, but you have worked hard on yourselves, right? You've mm. invested in yourselves. Yoga retreat, somebody's eye rolling right now. Oh my God, are they those kind of people? Have the person who's listening. And if you're a tiny bit cynical, first of all, what are you doing here? Why are you listening to the podcast if you're cynical? <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> Have you ever done a yoga retreat? I haven't, but I do yoga. So I I do I do hear where you're coming from. Speaking, sitting in silence, you know, and and yeah. was this a good day? Why was like why were Naomi's eyebrows like why was she frowning today? Something was wrong. I I need to do more reflection. Maybe I should be asking her this and not assume, right? Why was today yeah. hard? Why was it great? Let's unpack success, not only unpack failure. So that is hard work. It's so much easier yeah. to just move the goalpost to the next six figures, seven figures. It's so much easier yeah. to do that, especially yeah. in society, especially in Indian society, let's face it, which can be, or South Asian, it can be a tad bit judgy, shall we yeah. say? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, speaking of all of this, what would the two of you say? Babi, let's start with you. What would the, you know, what would you say to someone who's listening right now? They're in corporate. At the moment, they're thinking, Oh, this is so nice. They could do it, but you know, they could also do it because, you know, I heard this one was married and, you know, I had a cushion. This one could do it, lives in the US, land of opportunity. I can't do it for whatever reasons. You know who I'm talking about, the person who's right. always arguing for their limitations, not arguing for their strengths. Right. If, if you're listening to this right now and you recognize it, listen, there's no judgment. You are where you are. So, what would you say to that person with that stuck feeling, your most heartfelt advice let's start with you puppy well to to just let you know like I understand why that person feels that way I was that person mm -hmm. I do yeah. know that I didn't understand what goes into so many things it's like being 17 where I'm like I know everything but I know nothing um so I I empathize 100% I even sympathize because I've been that person the the thing that I learned from my experience was one this didn't necessarily happen to me, but it happened to a lot of women specifically around me that were considering quitting or not in a good place, wanted to move um, or even chugging along, doing a great job. Um, financial um, literacy. I think a lot of women may or may not be involved in that in that aspect of things where finances are important, learning about your money and being responsible 
responsible to grow it is important. It's not part of school curriculums. It's very much like, especially in South Asian cultures, it's like, okay, my dad took care of it. Now my husband will take care of it. Um, or my brother thing, who's I, younger I, to me. My, yeah. It's just, it's not uh, necessarily the most healthy way to go. And yeah. I, this is very catered to women more than I would say yeah. typically speaking, because mm-hmm. it's not um, taught. And I do think I was very lucky in the sense, you know, my dad and mom, they raised both my me and my sister to be very, very financially literate in the sense, because it was scarcity mentality. They were like, you don't have, there's only finite money. You got to do what you got to do. But um, was abundance it mindset, what's that? <laughs> yeah. And maybe it wasn't the healthiest way for them to educate sure. us on money. But at the same time, it it helped me sustain. I never worried about it in the way that a lot of people around me did because they weren't they they I didn't feel stranded the way that they typically felt when they were in situations when they had to make a change, no matter what the change was. That was something I didn't experience. And I would tell people to go dig deep, even if it's a small thing in savings, there's hundreds of Instagram accounts that teach you how to invest, even if it's $10, start small. I understand there's privilege for people who make more money than than not, but it's something that I encourage everybody to start small, follow um, accounts and uh, that are free, that will teach you how to invest and you know, because financial security is real, financial safety is real, abuse is real, like all of that is real. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah. the second thing that I learned, and I I guess I did without my own knowledge, was um, I marketed myself at this point. And I would recommend everyone who's thinking about whether they're in this job and they want to get promoted, or whether they're in this job they want to quit, or they don't they don't like where they are, they are, or they want to do a side hustle always put yourself out there, market yourself in the sense that you are still a commodity. You are a whole person. You have maybe kids and you have hobbies and you do this job and you make money in this, but you don't make money in this. Put that information out there in whatever form possible, because you never know who's watching, who you could help, because this visibility will get you maybe the next job, will get you um, the mentor that you're looking for or a mentee that looks up to you. You can get um, side hustles and speaking opportunities. It's it's just marketing yourself is something that you need to have a good plan for. And you should be doing that at whatever job you are, at whatever position you are, because someone is watching and, you know, it really helps. And that's how we got into what we got into, because we, I didn't market myself as an engineer. I marketed myself as a video video person. And now the offers that I get are nothing related to engineering, even though I did engineering for 10 years versus video for six years. So it's it's just what you're putting out there of yourself what is important because it will influence. Yeah, I love how pragmatic your answer is. You know, you're responsible for your own reinvention. It's not it's not that hard. It's a little scary, but in the only in the it's beginning, scary. the first jump, the first jump. Yes, it is. And then, you know, yeah. you're responsible for the messaging that you're putting out. So the messaging that you put out, Bobby, that's the one that got you noticed. And um, yeah. I definitely hear you on the financial literacy part. Um, there's so much bullcrap out there about following your passion. Nobody tells you how to do it. I think one of the first right. worst pieces of advice out there are three words. Just do it. Do like, it. How? <laughs> Nike. How? Did you just shit over Nike now? <laughs> <laughs> but people who are like yeah. just start just push start yeah. you know that yeah. whole job how nobody teaches you how so there's so many even like you mentioned instagram there's so much on youtube which tells you uh how much saving you know how much can it like cost you over for the next six months you have this be realistic right so i, I like how pragmatic your answer is and um nami 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 <laughs> sorry 
Namra Ka, <laughs> Nami. What would you What would you add to this that um, Pavi hasn't already shared? Um, definitely everything that Pavi said, and also yeah, with the marketing yourself, you know, create a stellar, stellar personal brand for yourself. Even if you have to start small, right? Baby steps. Put out one post on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever. I know it feels self-indulgent, but think about it as being in service of other people. It's not just about you and highlighting yourself. It's about how many other people could you possibly help? Or maybe you're that person who somebody else is looking for in terms of hiring. You know, you never know. So no. don't I think shifting the mind, the the frame from Mm. Oh, I'm just being braggy or whatever, which mm. a lot of women especially struggle with mm. to then thinking about, okay, who is this in service of? Um, and then the second thing is one thing that's really grinding my gears right now, also because this is the network that I'm part of right now is I'm seeing a lot of smug entrepreneurship out there, which is really annoying. There's a lot of entrepreneurs, especially big time people I see this all the time on LinkedIn and Instagram, where it's like, oh, if you want it easy, then do a nine to five job. If you want to like be part of this elite society of people, then be an entrepreneur. No, there's no such uh, thing as uh, easy money when you're a nine to fiver, because I'm surrounded by nine to fivers and there's no job security anymore. There's no, it's difficult. So no matter yeah. what you're doing, let's not devalue nine to fivers, yeah. right? That's yeah. a lot of people, even in our circle, where initially they thought, oh, I don't like what I'm doing. That naturally means I need to quit corporate yeah. and be an and entrepreneur. And it's not for everyone. It's, it's for everyone. For and everyone. it's not as lucrative as you think it is for everyone, right? Like it takes a lot. So if you are somebody who likes the comfort of a nine to five jobs, likes the safety of it, there's nothing wrong with that. All I would say to you is, first of all, figure out, you know, if you're unhappy at something, First of all, adopt an internal locus of control. Know that you are at least 99.9% .9 responsible for the things that happen to you. So that means that you have the control to be able to change your circumstances. Just even if that's taking a course to begin with, you don't have to have it all figured out on day one, but just start with baby steps, but don't devalue yourself because you're in a nine to five job. Just find another nine to five job that yeah. Like, you know, make fills your cup in some other way. It's just that you haven't maybe explored the right yeah. options. No, I'm so glad you talked about it because I talk about it on the podcast. I'm so glad we're on the same page. There's a lot of villainy when it comes to yeah. corporate, corporate, corporate. Corporate made me who I am. I mean, it's yeah. so awesome. I learned so many skills I wouldn't have learned um, just because the 16-year-olds and the 18-year-olds have learned to flip sports cards and make millions it's not for everyone yeah. right yeah. <laughs> so and the world um, needs accountants and consultants and lawyers yes. they are bills yes. <laughs> like oh, there are clients yeah, I, I, I hear you hundred uh, percent. Um, if we, if everybody went on strike in the nine to five, we, the economy would come to a standstill like today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So amazing. I can't believe it's been, so, you know, time's flown. We've come close to the end and I have this question. I ask all my guests hmm. close to a hundred, no, over a hundred episodes. What is that one standout defining moment that supercharged your career and helped you to move towards your current success. Nami, let's start with you. Okay, this is something we've never talked about before publicly, 
Oh, but, I love it when my guests preface their answer with that. What is this going to be, please? It was being um, unceremoniously dumped by our co-founders at a different company <laughs> that we the had. Da- a few the dance, years. the dance uh, place. No, it was another company that we had after that, and we thought because we didn't trust in ourselves as women. It was two male co-founders and we thought they were the be all end all because we didn't know what we're doing. So we thought, oh, let's just put all of our trust in them and not to say that they're terrible people. It's just right. Right. It was so us not doing the type of work that we do now because we just didn't trust our instincts. And after we got unceremoniously dumped, we just some fire lit in us because that same day, Pavi and I of course, just were distraught after that, immediately after that happened. And then we said, nope, this is not going to destroy us. We grabbed a bottle of wine, shut ourselves in in a room for six hours and just planned the entire course of our future, basically, which we didn't know, but we just said, this is not going to destroy us. We've worked too hard. We've taken too many risks. We are going to finally trust our instincts. We're going to finally own our misfit status and that's really when our YouTube channel took off. It's when everything took off. Oh, wow. So excuse the cringe um, sort of cliche, but is that where the phoenix rose from the ashes and Absolutely. it became misfit yeah. communications? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Unceremoniously yeah. dumped. I don't know if there's a ceremonious way of being dumped because yeah. it sucks. It truly sucks. But it, it, honest- no, I think I think because the way that we were getting dumped was like un... I was like, is that what's happening? Like, I've Came never out been of broken no, up to like, like that. Like, I've never... What, 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 was it like out of the blue, there were no signs? Yeah. There were no signs? Were, the words weren't like... Can you share it, the done. words if you don't mind walking down that trauma? <laughs> because, you know, people oh, like, sometimes it's not clear as day. It was funny it, enough supposed to be our company retreat. Like, it was supposed to be the day oh. that we sat down and talked about, wow, all this fun stuff is happening. How are we going to do the next six months or whatever? And it was just, hey, I don't think I can do this anymore. And then, yeah, both of them were just like, we're out. Um, no explanation. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a very easy, I don't think I could do this anymore. They didn't use those words. It yeah. was very much like, it looks like you are doing more video. You know, that's all that's working for you and like this is how we want to take it like you know like it was very roundabout and I was like hmm, that's true like, what is yeah. happening like I don't <laughs> know what's happening and that's why I was like what is this and I literally have to be like did they just leave like is that yeah you're like is that a discussion is that a debate or is that a decision it sounds I, like I was they made very, the decision they had made the decision and they had come to us and you know, I and I, I I tell Nami the same thing. I never had a good feeling about them from the start. So I didn't listen mm. to my gut either. And so mm. I, I feel like that was, mm. it's just like our body keeps score. It knows, yes. you know, we should just listen to it and be like, I don't feel good about it. And again, Nami and I had not reached that level of maturity, even in our business relationship to understand that we needed to discuss because they clearly did their discussion and we were to like, what the hell is happening? Um, wow but it's a great lesson to to listen to yeah. your instinct listen to your gut it's almost never wrong it wants to you know uh keep you safe and, and protect you and so Pavi, was is, is that the same sort of answer for you in terms of your life and your career that standout defining moment or or is there another one um i i mean i this was obviously a big one but big i one. think for 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 me our biggest growth and, and I'll talk about our career like me and Nami together our, my biggest growth with Nami and 
I think for myself was when we got a counselor. It mm-hmm. changed the course of our lives and relationship and the health of our company, the health of our relationship. You know, we we're, we are so much better at communicating respect, like respectfully about what we find comfortable, uncomfortable. I, I do know that I went a lot of years not being able to say certain things as much as Nami didn't because we we stuck to being the friends we were when we met when we were 21. So it it really it wasn't like a dun 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 but it was very therapeutic and so important that I I feel like it just made us more healthy as friends Mm -hmm. like I I remember us discussing that we're better friends now than we ever were when we were 21 like it just we're just better now Mm -hmm. when when you say counselor is that like a business coach or is that a mental health counselor or how how do you define that person? So it's basically a, like a mental health coach in the sense because you're in a relationship with each other. So it's basically a relationship coach, but we're not obviously in a romantic relationship. So it mm-hmm. was discussing mm-hmm. the same elements that go into a personal relationship. So you have conflict resolution and the things that you talk about, but it it was in context of both the business and our friendship. So wow. we we okay. just call we call this woman a business counselor, but essentially she started out as a as our therapist, as a couple's therapist. Yeah. yeah. But I do think that many difficult relationships need one. You know, you have a yeah. family counselor, you have between siblings, you have parents and kids and things like that. Yeah. This just really helped because she she helps us all roundedly. She gives us framework on, you know, for when we were trying to do our operating agreement, things like that. She gives us framework on how much, how, how many goals have you hit? So she's kind of helping us with growth, but the biggest thing that she does help us with is, are we on the same page when we discuss? Are we healthy when we have discussions that we don't agree with? Because we are still two different people. We have two different ideas and we're raising this baby together. So we have to kind of be um, on the same page about a lot of stuff or at least respect each other. No, that's great. I'm glad that it's resulted in, like, you can see the ROI from something like that, right? Investing. This is so amazing. What is the best way for people to learn more about you, about Misfit? Share share the deeds with us. I think uh, for one, oh, our, our website is misfitcommunications.com. M-I-S-F-I-T communications with the mm-hmm. S communications.com okay and then connect with either of us on LinkedIn that's where you'll get a lot of the up-to-date stuff we're doing a lot with uh, we've been doing corporate videos now for a few years we've been working directly with C-suite and partners at, com- uh, at consulting firms and senior leaders at different companies uh, to make sales and recruitment videos and also now we've gotten into the DEI space so that's something you'll see a lot about in our content on LinkedIn. So definitely follow us there. Okay, amazing. And of course, follow you on, um, I will uh, make sure I link your LinkedIn URL as well as the website in the show notes. This has been such a pleasure. I wish you continued success with Misfit Communications with your careers and beyond. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having us. Hey, if you're still listening till the end, thank you so much for taking the time. I know this episode was a little bit longer than usual episodes of mine, but so worth it. At least I hope you agree with me. There's so much we can learn 
from the experiences of Nami and Pavi. What were your favorite takeaways? They're actually super active on social media, particularly on LinkedIn and Instagram. So make sure you tag them with your favorite takeaways, with your learnings. I'm going to insert their social media links in the show notes right here. And if you enjoyed this episode, you've got to subscribe. You've got to share it with a friend or two. Like I'm talking to you. You're listening every week. You're enjoying it, but you haven't yet subscribed. What are you doing? All right, go ahead. Thank you so much for taking the time and take care of yourself. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you.